0: and Jordan, the lead pastor here at Real Life, and so glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Uh, I've got two announcements for you before we move into the, the sermon. The first one is this, is we're about ready to wrap up this sermon series of someone else's shoes. We've been going through this uh, summer sermon series. We're starting a new series called Experiencing God. And uh, this will be the third time that we've actually gone through this study in our church, and it is a life-changing Study. And I want to encourage you, if you've got time, uh, to just spend this week. We'll be talking about it next Sunday as well. But uh, there is a workbook with this sermon series you can get online. I want to encourage you to do that. It's a daily devotional time with the Lord of what it means to actually experience God. And for us as Christians, that's something that we should strive and long to experience the Holy Spirit and God's working in our lives. And um, I'm excited to go through this journey with you guys. And so. In addition to that, uh, I've got uh, one of my good friends, Zach DeCrif, is actually going to be bringing the Word of God this morning. And so would you please give him a big, warm welcome to the stage this morning. <laughs> so as he gives the Word this morning, a couple things you need to know about him is, uh, I don't know how long Zach and Liz have been a part of our church it's been a long time, um, but they have served as home group leaders, home group coach, served in set-up and, set and teardown. And when Zach gets really, really animated, he sounds like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> so through the whole sermon, you're not going to hear anything he has to say. You're just going to wonder, does that, does that sound like Jerry Seinfeld or not? I don't know. Maybe. Let me pray for Zach, and uh, I'll turn it over to him. Lord, thank you for Zach, um, Lord, and how you've made him. His uh, passion for you, his love for you, his love for your word. God, I pray you um, give him the words to speak this morning and give him um, courage and give him strength, Lord, and may the Holy Spirit speak powerfully through him, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for today that we get to do this together. We pray this in your son's name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks, Justin.
1: Oh, okay. Do it again. So the past few weeks... Um, been going through secondary characters in the Bible. I've um, been talking about Rahab, Deborah, Gideon, Boaz, Samson, and they've had some amazing stories of faith. Um, some of them did a really good job. Some of them had a lot of courage. Some of them lacked courage. Um, like Justin said, knucklehead moments, but God still accomplished his work through them and did what he wanted to do in spite of them, unfortunately. Um, I think all of us have heroes. You think back in your life, if you think back to possibly when you were younger or even now, somebody that you really wish you were like, um, I think it's good for us to think about people like this that we have somebody to look up to, whether it's an action hero, a comic book hero, somebody that maybe embodies everything that you think that you want to be or everything that you think you uh, should be, Uh, somebody that captivates you or somebody that you look up to. I want you to think about a character in your mind that really speaks to you and then think about why. So there's been a few people in my life that I've looked up to. Um, I bet not a lot of you will probably imagine this, but growing up in high school, I was uh, an avid golfer, um I was pretty good, but um, yes, obviously hard to believe, probably, for those of you that don't know me. Um, but I love the sport. I absolutely love golf growing up. I wanted to be a professional golfer. Um, that's what I wanted to do, and there was a few professionals out there that I just absolutely loved. I adored them, I thought they were just the greatest, and I tried to emulate everything that they did and everything that I could possibly do to be just like them. Um, I think that there's a lot of people in the Bible that we should look at in the same way. Um, The people that we've been talking about don't really fit the mold of, in my opinion, the hero that I would have had imagined if I was gonna look at a Bible character that I would say is a hero, um, it wouldn't be these guys. But I think it's good that we do look at these guys. They're not Moses's, they're not David's, they're not Peter's, they're not Paul's. But these secondary characters that we're talking about and the secondary character that we're going to talk about today is, in my opinion, an exceptional hero. So we've obviously been going through this sermon series. Justin talked a lot about the underdogs. And I feel like me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other people Feel the same way as I'm not a hero, I'm not a really high for a profile person, I feel like a secondary character, maybe I don't even feel like a character at all, like what is my point, what am I here for, what is God going to use me for, where's my place in his story? So today we're going to talk about Jonathan, who was David's best friend, and I think he probably had a lot of the same conversations with God. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about Jonathan Let's talk about who he was So Jonathan was the first son of Saul So Saul was the king of Israel The first king of Israel He was anointed by Samuel Jonathan, his son, was a leader He was a um, a commander in the army He had men under him And he was highly loved by all the men that were under him He was uh, uh, an amazing warrior A strong leader And he was next in line to be king So in 1 Samuel, it talks a little bit about Jonathan's courage and who he was and where he stood with God. It says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to this garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from by saving many by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you heart and soul. And then Jonathan said, behold, we'll cross over to the men and we'll show ourselves to them. So Jonathan initiates this fight, him and his armor bearer, just the two of them. They go over there. They end up battling a bunch of guys. Um, they end up, taking many of the men that they go up against. It starts the battle. Israel ends up getting into the battle by surprise because Jonathan and his armor bearer end up starting this. And Israel ends up winning this battle. And Jonathan is the hero. So it seems like Jonathan is in a really good place with God. Jonathan has a lot of courage. He has a lot of ambition as far as we know. But all during this same time frame... We read in the Bible that says that Saul, his father, had a problem. He sinned. And Samuel comes to him and says, Because you've sinned, your family is no longer going to carry on the kingship of Israel. I'm going to give it to somebody else. God's going to give it to somebody else. So we don't know exactly when Jonathan found out about this, but can you imagine? a man that has his whole life probably laid out for him this is what i'm going to do this is who i'm going to be everything's out taken out from under him i wonder if he asked why i wonder if he asked what next what's next what's this what's what's this all about i wonder if he asked god how many times what do i do now how many of us have those moments in our life where everything's going the way we wanted to go everything's going fine And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, by no fault of our own, things change. Everything falls apart. So all at the same time that Jonathan is going through this battle, Samuel is out anointing a new king, and most of us know this guy. His name is David. Samuel anoints David. And then David, um, as most of us know the story, and if you haven't, I highly recommend you reading the story of David and Goliath. Uh, David goes and he slays Goliath, and at the same about about same time, this is when Jonathan meets David. First Samuel eighteen, one through four, is Jonathan speaking to David. Said as soon as he finished speaking to Saul, David speaking to Saul, says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So, can you imagine David or Jonathan is in charge of all these people, most likely, and now David comes in and Saul sets him over them? I feel like for me, I'd be insanely jealous if I was in that situation. I would be like, really? Like, first my kingship, now my command, really? But Jonathan's not that kind of guy. In this passage that we just read, scholars believe that in the act of Jonathan giving David his robe, his sword, his armor, his bow, is Jonathan's giving up his free gift of the heir of his kingship, of the throne. Jonathan is giving that to David. It's hard for me to think what Jonathan is really giving up. His whole life is wrapped up in this and he is giving up everything to, yes, it's his friend, but he's giving up his entire livelihood for another person. It would have changed his entire life. So, the sermon series is called Putting in Somebody Else's Shoes." so I want you to put yourself in Jonathan's position. Would you be humble enough to do that? Do what Jonathan did? Let me put this in a little bit more current scenario. We think about, okay, I've been working really hard for a job promotion. I've been working really hard to get a new job. I've been working really hard to get a house. I really want to buy a house. Say that you get an interview and you get a a position for a new job that you really, really want, or a house, an offer is accepted, and then God, for some reason, tells you, This is not what I have for you. I want you to give that position, house, job to your best friend. I'm not sure I'd be able to do that. But I think the reason that I look at Jonathan as a hero is because it's exactly what he did. He was mature enough to know that God had a better plan. He knew David was anointed by God. And he put, his, he put God's plan ahead of himself and his own plan, and he knew somehow that God's plan was better. So I apply this to my life, and I think about all the things that I've worked hard for, and I think about if God was to ask me to give that all up, would I be able to do that? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I could be like Jonathan. But isn't that what Jesus is asking us to do? In Luke 9, 23 through 25, it says, And he said to them all, Jesus said, If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not telling everybody we need to go sell everything we have, that we need to do all these things. Like, that's not my intent at all. But I am saying I think, at least for me, I need to analyze my situation and ask myself, am I making an idol out of what I own, what I have, what I love, things I like to do? Is that my idol? Or am I putting God's, for, God's plan first? Am I allowing myself to humble myself and be like, God... Whatever you want of me, I will do. I think Jonathan understood that there's so much more to life than success and things. So if we, as we continue to read through Samuel, David becomes more and more powerful and more favored among the men. And Saul, his fa- Jonathan's father, eventually gets extremely jealous and tries to kill him. Jonathan is in disbelief about this when David confronts him. And he has a conversation with David in 1 Samuel chapter 20, 12 through 16. It says, Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time tomorrow. If he's favorably disposed towards you, I will, not, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be ever so severely... If I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live. So that I may not be killed. Do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan and David reaffirmed the oath for the love of him because he loved him as he loved himself yet another opportunity for Jonathan to say great my father's just going to take care of this guy I don't have to worry about my throne anymore I'm just going to let my dad kill David and life goes on I get to be king I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do with my life I don't have to worry about money prestige but that's not what Jonathan does Jonathan finds out that his father is indeed trying to kill David. And he sends David away. He saves his life. Can you imagine sending away your best friend, risking your life, because your dad might have you killed because you sent away his enemy, and having no prospects of really anything positive going forward. That's the risk he took. We don't even know if Jonathan ever met David again after this moment. So When we look at all this, why, why does this matter? Yeah, there's a lot of nice like, theoretical things that we're talking about. Yeah, I should be a good person. Yeah, I should do good things like Jonathan. But I think the point of this is, is God's plan is always better than our own. And I think Jonathan, despite... Displays the obedience by accepting that God's plan is better than his own. So there's all the things that we can learn from Jonathan. We can have courage. We can have humility. We can have loyalty to our friends. But honestly, in my opinion, I think his strongest attribute was that he trusted God above all things and that he trusted that God's plan was much better than his own. So David's known as the man after God's own heart. I'm pretty sure Jonathan would probably have been a close second. So you may have heard it from this platform before, but one of the quotes that floats around this church um, that's been repeated a lot is from Jenny Florendo. Um, She asks us, Are you willing to be highly inconvenienced for somebody else? I'll ask you are, you, are you willing to be highly inconvenienced for God? And I think of people being highly inconvenienced. I think of Scott McMiniman getting up early on a Saturday morning to cook breakfast for men's breakfast. I think of Stephanie Dalton greeting people in the front and welcoming them, welcoming them to church. I think of Ron and Beth Benton, who serve on worship team every Sunday. I think of Aaron Stocks, who lives back with Life or Kids. These people are laying down their lives and saying that the kingdom of God is more important than anything else that I could be doing today, because God has asked me to do it, and that's a part of, and that's God's plan for me. If I use Jonathan as a hero in my life, and I use him to emulate, that he was willing to put David, his best friend, ahead of himself, maybe I can be a little bit more effective in God's plan. So when things don't go how we think they're going to go, like Jonathan's story, and God has different plans for us, and we need to trust that God has a better plan, where do we go? What do we do? I believe the Bible is a book that is full of information that we can look at, but unless we use it for application in our life, it's not going to do us a whole lot of good. We can know a lot about God, we can know a lot about the Bible, but unless we apply it to our lives, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. It was given to us so that we can apply it and effectively reflect God's character. So if we look at all the characters that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, can we dig into those characters and really apply them to our lives? What did those people do that we want to emulate or that we don't want to do? But looking at Jonathan, would you risk your life or your reputation if you knew God was with you in all things? Do we know what God is calling us to do in our life and courageously run into the unknown? Or do we fearfully analyze every scenario and then decide against it because it's too dangerous or there's too much risk. Is there anyone in your life that you're seeing blessed by God right now, more so than you? Seems to be doing better than you in every way. What's our reaction to that? Are we bitter? Are we envious? Do we grudgingly congratulate them because they're our friends? Or do we truly, cheerfully go to that person and rejoice with them over all the good things that God is doing in their life. Are we willing to be a background character? Are we willing to be a secondary character? Are we willing to give the spotlight to somebody else because God is going to be glorified? If God's plan turns up pain and sorrow in our lives, are we still willing to trust that that his plan is good? So look at how Jonathan's story ends. He, his father, and his brothers are all killed in a battle. I think we can see Saul, the guy trying to murder David. Maybe that's fitting. But Jonathan, his best friend, he did everything right as far as we know. He's still killed. Why? Why? Why do bad things in our life happen that just don't make sense? I think, unfortunately, sometimes in God's plan, we're never going to know why. But are we still willing to understand that God's plan is good, and it's going to be good, even if we don't get resolution? (laughs) I think David and Jonathan both knew this, passage in Romans that was written long after they were gone, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those, those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do we believe these words written in Romans? Do we truly believe that in difficult times or circumstances God is going to work something out for good? Even in death? Jonathan died? How is that good? Do we trust what God is doing? Unfortunately, there is going to be pain in the Christian life. It's going to be pain. There's going to be hardship. It's guaranteed. But what do we do about that? We have to focus on God. We have to be in His Word. And we have to put our 100% trust in Him and be confident, like Jonathan was, that he's doing the right thing. So how do I apply this to my life? How do I align myself with God's plan? We think, okay, maybe Jonathan had it all figured out. He knew exactly what God wanted for him. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what God's plan is for my life. So I don't think we're ever going to really know. We're never going to get a step-by-step guide of what, exactly what God is asking us to do. At least that's not how it's been working in my life. But I do know for a fact that in Matthew 6.33... Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we align ourselves with God's plan? We seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And righteousness is right living. We do our best to live right. So how do we, how do, we do that? We open our Bible every day. We get in relationship with, with other believers that challenge us, that challenge us to do better and we do our best to root out every sin that's in our life because it glorifies God. This is God's plan for you. This is where we start. This is a direct promise from Jesus. It says, Seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all the things that we need will be provided. Need. And he knows what we need. But he has to be our first priority. So I think Jonathan did this. He did good things. He had right living. And he was remembered for it. David remembered Jonathan in Second Samuel. Second Samuel one twenty six says, Jonathan lies slain on the high places, and I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women." Jonathan was a hero because he did what was right. So the hero that I pictured when I was young and in high school, his name was Payne Stewart. He wasn't always the best, he wasn't the most popular, but he was my hero because he had impeccable character, And amazing sportsmanship. But like Jonathan, his life ended long before it probably should have. He died in a plane crash in 1999. In the middle of his career. But you know what? He was remembered because of who he was, not because of what he did on the golf course. I think about my Christian life and I think about the heroes of the Bible and how much i want to emulate them especially these secondary characters and how i can apply them to my life i think about all the men that even are major heroes like david and who is a man that delights in the law of the lord john the disciple who jesus loved jonathan a man who trusted god When we look at all these people what makes them heroes they're heroes because god has shown us that through them our actions matter and what we do in this life matters. Imagine what would happen if we all lived our lives trusting that God has a better plan for us and that if we live that out every day, what kind of difference that would make? So I hope today nobody's heard a sermon from some guy that thinks he's got it all figured out. He knows exactly what God's doing for his life. He's got his, everything's on track. Everything's on track. I'm just living a day at a time. Because I can tell you one thing, my plan was not to be up here preaching today. I have zero desire to be in front of everybody, preaching a sermon, trying to tell you what's good and what's bad. That's not who I am. I'm gladly a background character that loves to serve and have no recognition at all. But that's not what God was asking me to do. I had to humbly submit and say, okay, if this is what you want me to do, I will get on this stage and I'll preach. So what's God asking you to do? I hope like one day that people will look at my life and say, He was like Jonathan. He was like David. He's trying to do what God told him to do. So, we're going to go into communion. And I want you to think about what Jesus did for you. I want you to think about what he did for us on that cross. I'll give you a few minutes to just commune with him.